News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Good morning. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendijk from Dutch Growers. It might be a bit of a weird morning here, Rick, because we've been waiting patiently to see if uh, the prime minister will come out of Rideau Hall and let us know uh, what the plan is for a, for an election. But right now we're still waiting. So uh, we will bring got, that live when it happens. But uh, until you gotta, then, you got to you have to wait till he finishes his cup of tea. Exactly. You know, they're in there. there they're go. having their Sunday morning chat. You know, <laughs> yep, yep, there you go. <laughs> we haven't seen people very often. So anytime you get to see someone in person, you got to take your extra couple minutes now. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Uh, but we will bring that see you live whenever it happens uh, we're just kind of keeping a watchful eye on it so until then it's garden talk and then we'll come back after too because of course it's sunday morning we have to, <laughs> we have to. it's fun <laughs> yeah exactly we love to talk about the gardens and uh, getting everybody's tips and some of the questions too we always find uh always find some unique things happening in the garden around saskatchewan if you have any uh, questions or comments for rick you can give us a call or text at one 332 Eight two five five. What's been going on with you, Rick? Here, uh, we've uh, I've I've been off for one week. We had Brittany in here last week. Uh, what's what's happening at the garden center? Well, there's been lots of people calling in asking why do are my tomatoes not ripening for you know? Like, okay, there, there's lots of tomatoes on on the vine, but they're not they're not ripening yet. Well, yeah, it was it was a late season. You got to remember that it, we started later. And uh, we had all the member. Everybody forgets uh, the cool spring we had, you know. Yes. The cool evenings and everything else. So I mean, a lot of the tomatoes they're going to start. You know, they're going to next. You watch with this heat now, they'll start ripening pretty quick, and um, and so you're going to get a lot of different uh, uh, things that are going to ripen differently. Like even our pumpkins are going to be a little bit later. Um, the one thing about pumpkins too is that I heard Brittany is that. Uh, a lot of our suppliers of pumpkins in Saskatchewan had a crop failure this year. Oh, really? So, um, so we're now looking to other provinces to bring, start bringing pumpkins in. So, so you got to watch for that. And so, for for pumpkins in Saskatchewan, is going to be a little bit of a of a, a lull for that for this year. So, um, uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that all turns out. I think BC had a good crop still, and so we might be turning to to British Columbia for some of our pumpkins. Yeah, <laughs> and. Um, uh, but that's okay. We've done that in other years before because Saskatchewan is the kind of year where sometimes we get an early frost and we lose our pumpkins. And sometimes we just have a, a year where uh, the temperatures just don't help us to get going. So so I've been seeing that a lot. Like, so people have been talking to me about even their their tomatoes have started turning brown, the potatoes already, sorry, have a, turning brown already, and whether they should start harvesting them because we've got a lot of new gardeners out there. Any of the ground crops, I find, um, Aaron, this is, is to, they'll stay fresher, even if there's no top to them, just to leave them in the ground. Okay. The, the only, they'll, it's, I leave mine in the ground as long as I can. Like, I leave my carrots in the ground as long as I can, the potatoes in the ground. I'll harvest them as I need them. Right? Okay. We all love to go to the garden, get some fresh carrots oh, or it's the potatoes. Best. It's the best. Absolutely the best. So it's just, just leave them in there as long as you can. The only thing you have to watch for in some areas, I've been seeing some, some, um, some fungals and I haven't seen the late blight yet, but just watch for that. So if you think you have some, you know, your leaves turning up, not just, not just drying up, but actually turning up a really dark brown or actually turning to a black, then just look up late blight on tomatoes and tomatoes. And if you do have that, then what you want to do is you want to, um, 
take a take a garbage bag out into the garden and bag the plant as it sits in the ground. Don't rip it out of the ground. Bag it first and then cut the stems off. Okay. And then okay. then then cut the stems off. Because then you don't spread the spores onto the soil for next year. Okay. Okay. So that's very important is put it into a into a bag and then and then throw that bag away. Don't put it into your compost, you know, the branches into your compost or anything. But you don't want to yank it out and then walk across your garden, you know, spreading spores as you're going. So that's that's the key about any anything like that. If you have a if you're you're suspect, uh just bag it right in the garden and cut it off and then uh, get rid of it that way. And then uh, if you, a lot of times if you do have late blight, if you think you do have late blight, then you have to watch too uh, when you do your harvest is that you basically are going to store each hill in a separate uh, bag or a container. Okay. You don't want to start throwing everything into one pot or one pail or one potato, you know, uh, burlap bag you want to basically keep everything separate because if there is some late blight that went down into the tubers it spreads like crazy uh just in the in the bags or in the pail so uh you want to make sure you you isolate each hill then as a separate uh a separate bag so that's if you have late blight uh you can always google late blight and see what it looks like and uh, uh like i said i haven't heard any issues yet but i know there'll be some around but and, it's one of those uh, ones that seems to pop up this time of year yeah, <laughs> this time of year well it starts to show up already uh about the end of july uh but now is the time you'd really see it so uh, just watch for it and uh like i said i don't think it's gonna be a problem this year but just keep an eye all right we have uh mary just joining us on the line here from regina good morning mary what's your question for rick today hi um i have a lorraine sunshine fall sunflower and the leaves are curling up and I, I'm looking at the leaf but I don't see any pulls or bugs or anything when the leaves curl up that shows stress of water okay usually shows stress of water when they curl up so what that means that they're either too dry or too wet so <laughs> stick your finger into the stick your finger into the soil and when they curl upwards, that usually means that there's a stress of some reason in the soil. Okay, so okay. stick your don't don't just go out there and water. Stick your get your finger as far as it can go, or even probe something into the soil, and just see what the moisture level is down lower. And uh, and then and then if it's really wet, aerate it. If it's really dry, which probably is, then just give it a little extra water. Um, and then hopefully they haven't curled too much that they can open up again. Um, okay, just one more quick thing. Yeah. Are we yep. having, like, I've heard all these people talk about having an early fall, and today I noticed some of my annuals are, like, done. Yesterday they didn't look too bad. Yeah. Annuals shouldn't be done yet. They'll, annuals like going right up until, right up until the, the frost gets them. So... There again, one thing about this year, uh, you have to watch, especially your annuals, if, if they're in containers. We, mm -hmm. uh, we did a lot of watering this year, like a lot of watering. And yeah. so when you do a lot of watering, you leach all your nutrients out of your soil. So what ha can happen then is that there might be just so much root mass there and there's no food left, okay? So you have to make sure that you're actually uh, supplementing some fertilizer, like maybe you had a slow-release fertilizer on the top, uh, during this, during this, in the spring when you planted them, but now you, now this time of the year you gotta, you have to make sure that you uh, add a little bit 20, 20, 20. Even if you go half strength and do it every third or fourth watering, 
uh, or fifth watering even. Um, so, but go half strength rather than full strength or use a super bloom like a 15, 30, 15, any fertilizer that you have for your flowers, you'll need to oh. supplement them. Uh, don't not every single watering, but every fourth or fifth watering, you're definitely going to need to uh, to give them a supplement. And if you do it that often, go half strength, not full strength. Okay. And then what's important too is don't water uh, with fertilizer a plant that's bone dry. Water it first. Let the plant recover a little bit from being stressed from really dry. And then the next watering, add some fertilizer to the soil, okay? Because fertilizer in water to dry plants will actually burn the leaves, okay, or the roots. So it's really hard on the plant. So make sure that the plant is rehydrated before you fertilize. All right, Mary, thank you so much for your call here. We're going to have to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with more Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Happy August long weekend. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendijk from Dutch Growers. Rick, we've had uh, someone waiting patiently for us on the phone line here, so we won't make them wait too, too much longer. Uh, this is Preston in Saskatoon. Good morning. What's your question for Rick today? Rick, uh, I've been um, running raised uh, flower beds, um, in particular fabric uh, pots filled with sunshine mix, and I've been growing tomatoes in them. Now, I've talked to 15 gallon times 30 pots. I'm wondering, uh, can I reuse this uh, soil every year? Do I have to try and you know, throw some different vegetables in there, or can I just reuse this for tomatoes because I make lots of salsa? Well, what I suggest you do is that uh, the top, basically six to eight inches, I would always renew. It's so full of roots and everything else, but you can you can use that soil for the for the bottom of an, of another pot if you want, okay? And so as a filler type of thing, and so you can do that. But uh, but I would suggest that top six eight inches where your roots are from, especially your vegetables are going to grow in. The, the plants I find just do way better when I just remove that top little bit and put fresh stuff in every year. Uh, you'll have better results. Sounds good. Okay. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate your time. Yep. All right. Uh, we have a couple of texts that are waiting for us here that we can kind of go through. But if you have a question for Rick, you can give us a call or text at one 332 Over the text line, we have one from Ken in Regina. It's on Tiger Lily. After blossoms have fallen off, when can you transplant the bulb? Uh, once once that, that leaf has turned basically brown. So you want all the energy is in the leaves, and the leaves, leaves are still creating uh, energy for the, to re-energize re, re the bulb for next year. So it's still putting food. And so right up until that stem turns brown, then you can move them. And usually that's around the first week of September. You can start moving the, the, your lily bulbs around, not a problem. Okay, we have another uh, lily question. Uh, this one is coming from Faye in Saskatoon. I have these little red bugs eating small holes in my lily petals and leaves. They don't seem to be bothering my daylilies. What can I do? Yeah, those are, those are, they're just orange or red, the lily beetle. And you need to keep on top of that because they'll just keep spreading and spreading and taking just your, not your, not your daily lilies, but they just go after the hybrid lilies. Okay. So you need to spray them about every 10 days and you want to spray especially the backside of the leaves. And what you can do, you can watch too on the backside of the leaves, you'll see a little cluster of, of orange eggs. 
and you can actually pick those off as well if you if you see them and then uh, and then destroy them. Uh, so that's important. But uh, if if you don't get rid of them, they'll they'll go into the soil and they'll just come back every year worse and worse and worse. So you need to keep on top of them. Using things like uh, endol, you can use or ambush. And uh, I just don't like spraying the flowers, but the flowers are done pretty much right now. Yeah. So now just but make sure you get the back side of the leaves when you're spraying. That's important. We were talking a little bit off air uh, before the show started here, just about bugs coming in, like people talking a lot about bugs and different uh, things that they're seeing in their gardens. What what are you seeing come into the garden center? Oh, uh, seeing a lot of, um, uh, like we talked before, the willow bore, yep. uh, pop, the aspen bores, that, that we've been seeing lots of that, and to treat those, uh, just make sure, number one is if you keep your plant healthy, so don't go under stress, whether water stress or nutrient stress or whatever. That that will the bores are attracted to plants that 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 are weak. The plants actually send out a bit of a pheromone that that attracts them when when they're stressed. So as long as you keep the plants not stressed, you won't you'll have less chance of having a bore. Okay, that's huge. Okay. So um, uh, that's the one. That's number one. Uh, the one other one I'm getting lots of calls about is. Uh, uh, people have maple trees and that they're they're finding all their their sidewalk and their cars or their furniture all sticky. Yes. And right now the the they're right full of. I just, just looked at one here the other day and it's just it's full of uh, it's full of aphids and it's full of spider mite and those plants and in fact the wasps are all hanging around them right too because they're actually they're eat, some of those wasps are eating the aphids but they're also collecting the sap that mm. that the that these aphids and spider mite are, are excreting. And so, um, and so, if you keep them clean of those of the aphids, that's the big one. Um, is is that you won't have so much sap dripping. But uh, uh, so that's another big one. And also now beginning also uh, is people are saying normally every every so many years we get the tent caterpillars in the spring going after the choke cherries and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, now we're getting uh, there's a there's a, it's a different tent caterpillar, but uh, or uh, a webworm that are causing these tents in apple trees, especially. Okay. And uh, so I'm getting lots of calls for that, and that's an easy one to get rid of. If if you see the tents really small, just put a pair of gloves on, and just squish them. Okay. You know? <laughs> and then no chemical involved. Or yeah. Otherwise, you can use a product called BTK. So BTK is uh, Bob, Tom, Ken. Okay, BTK. Is a biological, so you spray it on the leaves. It doesn't affect anything. It doesn't affect humans or other insects or anything else. It only affects caterpillars, and it's a it's a bacteria that gets into their once they ingest it by eating the leaf. It basically gives them a big tummy ache, and then they quit eating, and then they die. And so, um, uh, so that works really good for for any kind of caterpillar at all. But it only goes after caterpillars. Okay. It doesn't, get, it doesn't affect beetles. It doesn't affect bees. It doesn't affect anything. Just caterpillars. Pretty targeted yeah. approach. Pretty targeted approach, and so that works really well uh, to go after that. And then another one we're getting is uh, is people who have any kind of vine, whether it be grapevine or Virginia creeper or clematis, and they're getting the leaf hoppers. That's you see these little. They look like little white type of flies, and as yeah. soon as you go close to them, they start jumping from leaf to leaf. <laughs> yep. So the best way to get rid of those is uh, you spray in the evening. Uh, when it's when it's dusk, because then they, those bugs will just settle in and they won't be jumping around so much. And you need to use a hose end sprayer because you just can't use a mister because the bugs are on the backside of the leaves hiding in the muck. So you got to use a hose end sprayer. We can actually blast water right into the into the canopy of your vines, 
and uh, and he used ambush with that, and it, it, it affects the nervous system, and it's safe for humans as well. So uh, that that's that's a good one to use, and if you do that twice, um, once, and then again in ten days' time, then you'll pretty much clean them up. Should be good to go. Yep. Uh, we have a couple more texts that we can probably get to here before our news break. Uh, this one is coming from Bobby. My Reaper peppers have lots of blooms, but no peppers. Lots of blooms. That means they're not getting pollinated, so you've got to okay. be the bee. Okay? Grab a so Q-tip. With this, <laughs> with, this, with this heat, we're, I'm hearing that quite often. And uh, so just have to be, yeah, grab the Q-tip and cross from different plants and also different flowers, cross back and forth. You, you're going to hit each flower multiple times crossing, and then you'll, you'll get your peppers. Okay, this one's uh, related to it. It's from Martha in Martinsville. Can you explain why our zucchini and squash are not bearing fruit? The plants themselves seem healthy, lots of blooms. We've even seen a few bees at work, but only one squash so far. Could that just be a pollination issue too? Yeah, that is definitely a pollination issue again. So same thing again. We've got to be just like the last one. We've got to be the bee. And you, you're with this heat. We're seeing that the, a lot of people having issues with pollination with the bees with the heat. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, you might have a spot where they, you've got only a few bees, but a few bees is sometimes not enough because they have to go back and forth a lot, right? Yeah. So, so that's all you have to do. The same thing, and then you'll you'll get your squash. And you have lots of time to get if you pollinate. You've got lots of time to get squash. They grow really quickly. It's one of those ones too where I think uh, you know if I saw some some bees around, I'd think, oh yeah, it's probably fine. But yeah, they might need a little extra help. Yep, yeah, need a little extra help because uh, there's some bees are more efficient than like leafcutter bees, mm-hmm. uh, and the honeybees are more efficient than let's say just a wasp or a, you know other types of flies and that kind of stuff. There's certain bees that are more efficient at pollinating and do a better job of pollinating. So uh, you might not have those type of bees in your area. All right, uh, um, we have one from Jason in Maryfield. Just wondering when is the best time to trim back our cotton easter hedge. Well, if you're doing light trimming, you can do that all through the summertime. So you can just shape it and everything else. It doesn't matter when you do it. Uh, but if you want to do a major pruning, do it after the leaves have turned red in the fall or otherwise do it first thing in the spring before the leaves even come on. So if you want to trim it right down to like two feet off the ground, if it's eight feet tall and you want to bring it down or you want to eight feet tall and you want to bring it down in half, the best to do that when the plant is dormant. But if you're just doing a, a shaping just a minor pruning. You can do that any time during the summer. Perfect. So maybe something to add to the to-do list if you're if you're going to be going a little dramatic with it, but otherwise you're good yeah. to go anytime. Yeah, perfect. Just uh, if you like to go out there in the heat, otherwise just do it early in the morning or in the evening when it's not quite so hot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> and then just make sure that you uh, give that plant some right now, uh, uh, give it a watering. And we're at the very beginning of August with the shrubs. You can give them one last little fertilizer right now. Uh, being for shrubs, trees, I'm pretty much done fertilizing for the year, but uh, the shrubs, I can give it one last fertilizing, and then you'll get some growth to make it fill out nice again. Perfect. If you have questions for Rick, you can give us a call at one 332 8255 We're going to take a quick break for news, and then we'll be back with more Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. 
We're back to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Aaron McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendijk from Dutch Growers. If you have a question for Rick, give us a call at 1-877-332-8255. A bit of a, a, a break in between there because we had uh, some breaking news happening. Of course, an election being called for September 20th. And when news happens, sometimes we got to take a quick break. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> but we're back and we have some of your questions to answer here. So we'll dive right in uh, with a couple of texts, Rick. Um, okay. We'll start off. This one is about tomato plants, which we had sort of started talking about uh, at the top of the show here. Uh, it says, my tomato plants are looking healthy and have a good crop. But as they are ripening, the, they're developing blossom end rot. If I pick them before I see any signs of it on the individual uh, tomatoes, they will ripen properly or rot in the box. Is there any way to salvage the crop? Yeah, it's that that is something that you have to learn to do. Blossom end rot, first of all, comes from inconsistent watering. That's the okay. number one reason why it happens. So very important to be able to not water on a schedule or anything like that, especially for peppers, tomatoes, cucumbers, all those kinds of squash. You have to water when the plant actually needs. So sticking your finger in the soil, not going on a schedule. And that's, that's huge. And it's really hard this year because yes. it got so hot that, <laughs> that we, we didn't water normally, but time we got home, they're bone dry again. Right. So, yeah. uh, so, you know, it, it's really difficult in a year like this. So number one you can do is keep the plant healthy by making sure you get the right nutrients. And calcium is a big one to help resist those kind of things. It won't stop it, but it'll help resist it. The number one thing is, like I said, is just consistent watering. And uh, that's the one reason that'll get get blossom and rot. So if you you hadn't had been consistent watering, then, and even if you did, with the way the heat is like today, it was 30 some degrees, right? Last year was like 36. I mean, it's really, really hard. So uh, this might be just a year where, we just have to take what we can get and, and there's nothing much you can do other than try to, to be, cons- you know, keep the moisture consistent. And, uh, and that's like I said, unless you're home all day <laughs> to stick your finger in uh, different parts of yeah. the day, it's, re- it's really tough. Honestly, it really it's is. It's been such a weird year. Even just my yeah. balcony plants are having a rough go. <laughs> yeah. So keeping, they just like us, if you keep your, your health up, keep your right nutrients in this, in the plant, keep it as healthy as you can so it can resist those kind of things and watch the moisture the best you can. That's all you can really do. Perfect. We have Tim waiting for us on the line in Shellbrook. Hi there, Tim. What's your question for Rick today? Hi. Um, I've got raised garden beds with jalapeno peppers in them, and they're mm-hmm. growing like two and three peppers out of one pepper. Any idea what would cause that? Um, you'll all, Sometimes we'll get that, and in, in a lot of times that's due to the pollination. And this year has been tough for pollination, so... Uh, because of the heat and everything else, you haven't seen a lot of gardens haven't seen the bees. So one thing that's important to do is is companion plant. Put some flowers in amongst your garden to attract the bees as best you can. Uh, put water uh, like a bird bath or something because bees need, also need water. So they'll come to places where they have a little bit of everything, where they can have a drink and they can get some flowers and they'll go to your vegetables. So that's key to every yard is, and if you don't think you have the bees, then you need to take that little Q-tip and you need to go around from plant to plant over and over again and pollinate the flowers. So the reason why you only got a few is is because it hasn't had great pollination. And that well, is just not, because of the... It's not that I only have a few. It's that I, like, I have tons and tons of peppers, but it's like yep. three peppers growing out of one pepper. Oh, three peppers growing out of one pepper. What do you mean by that? It Sorry. looks like... Like three, like Siamese twins is what it looks oh, like. Oh, 
Like like a mutant type of thing. Yeah. yeah so it, it's only it's, one or two plants out of the dozen plants that I have. The rest of them have an incredible amount of peppers on them. Oh, and so you just have one that has a, so so an abnormal looking fruit. Yeah. So that has to do with something with the genetics uh, that coming out of that one plant. And uh, so you, you know you obviously those seeds came out of the same same seed packet. So you must have just got something that just changed the the genetics, just like you know like. Uh, you know, some people will have, you know, one baby, some people have twins, right? So, okay. uh, but you're just having something that some genetically that happened. And some people like that and some people don't like that, right? That's how plants change. But that's just uh, luck of the draw. What you had is that you had some something genetically when they got uh, cross-pollinated with another pepper, there's something that, that genetically changed that plant that that's why you're getting some different plants. Okay, thanks. Okay. Thanks, Tim. Okay, bye. Bye now. All right, we have a caller waiting for us from Regina. This is Vaughn. Hi there, Vaughn. What's your question for Rick today? Well, hi. Um, got a green ash tree um, where the trunk is going up and then it kind of splits into two and continues going up. But yep. it's split right at that V and it's um, getting pretty bad and you can see it getting worse. The split actually it goes right down to the ground. Uh, right. It's maybe a centimeter apart when when the wind's blowing, and yep. just just put it tied it together with tie downs for now. But I'm just wondering if there's any good way to try and keep it from splitting completely. Yeah, that that's a tough one because the one way you can the one way you can protect it is that you go up quite a bit higher than you can, uh, depending on how how wide obviously the branches uh, split out. You know, up higher above the crack, right above yeah. where above the Y. But if you go up higher above that, and then you drill, you have to get a long bit, and you have to drill a hole through the trunk of both plants, and then put a a ready rod, a threaded rod, all the way through the trunk. And then, and then you put a big washers on to hold to, and then suck it together. Okay. So that you don't get that movement. You can't tie around like a, a wire or a rope or whatever on the outside. You'll actually choke off the bark and you'll actually weaken the tree that way. Okay. So you have to drill a hole through it and put a, a, a threaded rod. Now, the only problem with that is that when you have to still then somehow seal up that V because the water, when it, when it does rain, if we ever do get rain, <laughs> will, will uh, come down the, the trunk of the tree and will pour right into that V of the, of the, of the, of the trunk and then you'll rot your tree from the inside out. Oh. So you have to somehow seal that up so it doesn't rot, okay? And that's really tough. You have, to, you have to be on top of that. You have to probably twice a year, you have to go there and recheck it to make sure that you caulk it, you know? and keep the caulking and some tar so that you're keeping the water out of those. And with the bark, it's really tough, right? Because the bark is a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, ribs in it and everything else. So it's really hard to seal it. But that's going to be the key. Once you do get it tied, uh, that ready rod through it, and you can even do a couple of them, one lower and one higher up, you know, to be able to secure it tight together. Um, but to keep the, the key is to keep the water out of that crack in the future. Okay, so uh, two quick quick questions. So the ready rod, it goes through each arm of the Y or through yep. the, okay. And then yep. what type of product do you use as a sealant? As, as there again, you can use, I, I would use anything. I mean, there's even, even things like uh, you can use on it just like a, a silicone or there's that, that product, what's it called now? You see it on television all the time where they're 
have a they have a boat that has a has holes and they spray it with itself. Oh, it's, it, yeah. it's it's like a quick anything that would do because it's just a wood product on top. Yeah, just make sure you seal it any way you can. And that spray can with that seal, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's, it's on, on my head. Anything you can to seal it up uh, so that the water goes by it. And by right. using a, a caulking or any of that, that can get into all the crevices of the bark so it doesn't creep down into that area. That's But also make sure at the bottom of the crack, leave a space open so that the water can, if the water does get in, the water can get out. Okay. 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 Sounds good. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Vaughn. Yep. Just in my quick Google, I think it might be called Flex Seal. Flex Seal? Yeah, no, it's not called Flex Seal. It's called, no? it's in a yellow can. I can okay. see it in my eyes. I can see it in my eyes. I just can't see it. All right. We'll take a quick break for, uh, before we get to more of your questions. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Erin McNutt here with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. We had a bit of an interruption in the middle of the show with the federal election being called for September 20th. So it means we have a bit of a backlog on our text line. So we'll try to uh, get to as many okay. as we can on the air. Uh, one that has uh, kind of stood out to you uh, when we were in break here is aphids. We've been talking about this a lot through the summer. They seem to be everywhere this year. Uh, this texter wonders can you get rid of them yeah okay so number one is just you can spray with cold water so there's there's if, if to fit everybody's if uh comfortable you can just spray with cold water and just lodge them okay okay that works for spider mite and aphids so you got to spray quite a bit and use cold water the other one you can use is you can use an insecticidal soap okay and that's that's fairly safe for almost anything out there you can use endol which is canola oil uh, insecticidal soap and a little bit of pyrethrin, okay. or you can go right after them with things like ambush, which is a pyrethrin, which comes from the chrysanthemum. It affects the nervous system of them, which is safe for your, your pets and it's safe for your, um, and it's safe for humans. Uh, or what you can do is this also a great way is invite more birds into your yard, put okay. water fountains, put a water feature, put, put some birdhouses, those little uh, house finches and house wrens and chickadees, they eat a whack of things. And then also uh, in, next year, you won't be able to do this year anymore, get ladybugs for your yard, okay. pray man, pr praying mantis, okay? Though those are ones that work good too. So there's all kinds of, 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 of insects you can introduce to your yard, which will help control the aphids situation as well. Perfect. So there's a lot of options that you can try and, uh, Lots. you know, starting out with, uh, getting that, uh, pressure washer attachment, maybe, or the, uh, the, the hose going. Yep. It's, uh, not the worst yep. way to do it. Yep. It's just, and keep on top of it right from the beginning of the year because they're born pregnant. The generations come in massive waves okay. very quickly. So the key is right from when the first leaves first come out in the spring, you got to be on top of it right away and then you'll have less problems all summer. Perfect. Uh, this one coming from uh, Danielle. She's asking, uh, we trim back our old uh, pillars uh, severely this spring, and now they've sent out a bunch of suckers. If we let them grow, will they thrive? Do they need to be dug out and transplanted? Yeah, those, those, those suckers will grow and thrive everywhere. I was just at my, my niece's backyard where they had a, a tree from the, the neighbor. The roots are growing and there's suckers coming up oh. in the lawn. The shrub beds is coming up everywhere. And so that's an issue. So when you get a, when you ever use stress the tree out, 
uh, that's what will happen is that you'll get the tree will kind of reproduce itself. It's a way of nature, a way of protecting the plant so it, it keeps going. So it mm -hmm. puts up little babies. Now to uh, to get it to, to those suckers to if you want to transplant those suckers, you can try it, but you need to do it in April. OK, just as soon as the frosts are on the ground, that's the best time to do it. All right. Sounds good. Uh, they have a secondary question, too. We have a lot of Katoni aster bushes and lots have what looks like fire blight, maybe. What can we yep. do to remedy this? Okay, so trim out what you see right away. As soon as you see it, if you set fire blight, usually you'll notice it right after it finishes blooming because the bees will, will spread it. Okay, and so you need to trim it out as soon as you see those leaves turning brown, you know, turning, uh, what I call a witch's broom, which is where they wilt down and trim it out and then sterilize your pruners after every cut if you can. Uh, and then, and then trim, the, what you can do if you've got a lot of it is that uh, this fall, once the leaves turn color or to fall off, cut the whole contoniaster hedge right to the ground and then clean up all the leaves, all the little branches, everything, and let the plant start again. And then hopefully you, you, it'll be, you'll be able to get by where you won't have that problem again. Okay, perfect. Um, this one is coming from Angie in Lumsden. Uh, we have two trees in our backyard in full sun. One is an apple tree. The other is a maple. They both have yellow spots on the leaves. They were planted in the last two years. What can we do? Yellow spots in the leaves um, usually could mean a fungal. It also could mean just the nutrient issue in the soil. And so always probe the soil, watch your nutrients, do a soil test, uh, make sure that your, your pH is very important. The pH is at seven. Okay. Okay. Not 7.3 or 7.8. Then the tree can't take up nutrients properly. So you need to use a distilled water to do that test. You can do it at home, but you can't use your tap water. So that's important to keep the health of the tree up. If it's a fungal, you can always bring a brand, a leaf in or whatever to uh, to the uh, garden, your favorite garden center, and then you, the expert there can diagnose it. Then you'll most likely use a product called copper spray to spray it. Uh, but we're getting so close to you know the end of the season that uh, the best thing to do is in the fall clean up all the leaves and don't put them in the compost. Okay, if you think you have a fungal, put them in the garbage and get rid of them for that year, and then so that they won't stay down underneath the snow and come back up in the plant next year. Don't let it hang around for the nope. for the season there. Yep, exactly. All right, we have a question from Justin in Saskatoon. When is a good time to aerate my lawn before winter? Uh, you can aerate, aerate the lawn just about any time you want. Um, you see the golf courses, they do it three or four times uh, uh, basically a summer, especially in, on the greens and that when you have high traffic, okay? Mm -hmm. So most traditionally people do it in the spring. I would, I wouldn't wait until late fall because I don't want to leave all those plugs holes opening so frost can get right down to the roots. I would like to do it earlier than that. So I like to do, I would suggest doing before the end of September if you're going to do it. And, uh, but otherwise, yeah, otherwise either any time, time now and end of September if you want to do it this fall. Sounds good. Got a, got a couple weeks left to go. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> um, this one is coming from Betty in Moose Jaw. What would cause potatoes to sprout under the ground on new potatoes in the garden? I used seed potatoes. Sorry, say that again. What yeah. would cause the potatoes to sprout under the ground? Yeah, uh, they right? say, what would cause potatoes to sprout under the ground on new potatoes in the garden? I used seed potatoes. 
I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not understanding the question, but I think so. What's happening? It sounds like she's had potatoes that have little, little sprouts coming off the, those potatoes and growing again underneath the ground. That's what it sounds like to me. Um, uh, probably what we need to do is this, that person just give me a, a picture or an email to rick at dutchgrowers.com and I'll get a better look at it and I can just a little understand the question a little better. Yeah, just get a better idea of kind yep. of getting a look and seeing what's going on. Absolutely. Uh, this will probably be uh, our last one of the show, but we'll answer uh, the the other ones here uh, off air. Uh, zucchini plant not producing vegetables. Really big plant with lots of flowers and blossoms, but no veggies forming. Yeah, just pollination problem again. So you have to be the bee, go between, you still have a little bit of time. Zucchini will produce very quickly. So be the bee, take a Q-tip, go from flower to flower to flower to flower, and also just make sure that you next year just do some um, some other planting of other flowers. Even if you have a if you don't have room in the ground, put some containers close by where you're attracting more bees into your yard. But just be the bee with the Q-tip and go from flower to flower and get some cross pollinization going. Then you'll get more fruit. All right, and uh, we I think we've done it. Uh, the only other text that's come in that uh, we should probably mention here is uh, someone has texted in. We were talking a little bit before about a sealant. We couldn't figure out the name, and they're saying uh, they believe that seal all is in a yellow can. Could that be yep. it? And it's also called leak seal. Okay. We figured it out. Mystery yep. solved. <laughs> Leak seal. So. All right. And that brings us to the end of the show for today. You've been listening to Garden Talk with Rick Van Dyvendyke from Dutch Growers. This is 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.